Welcome to MuggleCast, your weekly ride into the wizarding world. Choo-choo. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. <laughs> I did not do that live, by the way, on Micah. And I'm Laura. <laughs> That's a little sound effect I've had for the past couple weeks, and I've been meaning to play it, and I keep forgetting every time. Oh so that's now part of our intro, Micah. I love it. Do you it. remember when you said that? I did. Was it at the end of an episode, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at the end of the Back to Hogwarts episode uh, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, where'd you, where'd you get it? What'd you pay for it? I need royalties. <laughs> I'll give you five bucks for it, sure. Oh, perfect. Oh, Micah, you, don't, you mean per you don't episode. have a subscription to the micahsoundslibrary.org <laughs> that I have? No. Still waiting on that. Uh, $5 per episode. Okay. Oh man. I should have said per download. <laughs> <laughs> so on today's episode, we will discuss casting for the inevitable Harry Potter television series. We're going to touch on those characters who were in the Harry Potter books, but never saw screen time. And then we will try our hand at recasting some of the more notable characters in the Potter series. Ooh, good intro. Nice job, Micah. So it's like I, I used to do the news you. or something. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, Speaking of this topic, don't miss last week's episode in which we discussed the scenes that never made it into the Harry Potter books or movies that could finally see the light of day in the Harry Potter TV series. We had a lot of fun discussing those things last week. But first, some big news. Now, everybody knows that on last week's episode, I made a prophecy. And like, just like Trelawney, I can screw up sometimes. So there was a big new Harry Potter project finally announced, but it wasn't the TV series. It was this long-awaited Harry Potter RPG. This is the one we've been speaking about for a couple years now. You guys might remember that there was this big trailer of sorts that leaked and then it was taken down. There was a copyright claim by Warner Brothers. So we were like, oh, it must be accurate or it must be real. And... The rumors were that you were going to play as a late-blooming Hogwarts student in the 1800s, and that's exactly what this just-announced game is. It's called Hogwarts Legacy. It's going to be available next year for PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, uh, Xbox Series X, and computer. I want to read the description, and we could talk about this and the trailer, because the official description unveils a lot. It says, Hogwarts Legacy is an immersive open-world action RPG set in the world first introduced in the Harry Potter books. Now you can take control of the action and be at the center of your own adventure in the Wizarding World. Embark on a journey through familiar and new locations as you explore and discover fantastic beasts, customize your character and craft potions, master spellcasting, upgrade talents, and become the wizard you want to be. Experience Hogwarts in the 1800s. Your character is a student who holds the key to an ancient secret that threatens to tear the wizarding world apart. You have received a late acceptance to the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry and soon discover that you are no ordinary student. You possess an unusual ability to perceive and master ancient magic. Only you can decide if you will protect the secret for the good of all or yield to the temptation of more sinister magic. So what do you guys think of this? It sounds like a massive game, right? Yeah, the the trailer looks awesome. This whole story arc looks awesome. And I'm excited to play. I really like the fact that it goes beyond Hogwarts too. Like that little opening sequence, or it's not really an opening sequence, but like the sequence they show as you head into Hogsmeade and 
Oh man, I can't wait to play this. Yeah. Yeah. The the game looks beautiful. I mean, the trailer was really remarkable. And I think it's the Harry Potter video game that we've always wanted, but never received. You know, it, does it strike you at all in the description as being kind of like Hogwarts Mystery, but with, you know, full roaming 3D environments? Right. It does worry me a little bit because it's a video game team that created the story. So there is that question about how good can it be? But it is for console. Like I said, the trailer, look, you know, the, the world looks really great. So I'm going to hold out hope this is going to be a genuinely great Harry Potter RPG. Yeah. I mean, we've wanted a free roaming Hogwarts game, or at least, you know, right. I have. I can speak for myself ever since like the Chamber of Secrets uh, video game for I don't know, the first PlayStation uh, really allowed you to go out on the grounds for a bit, mm. go down to Hagrid's. Every version since then, including the the massively successful Lego Harry Potters, has had some version of go around the castle. But it's mostly been tied to the mission that you were on. Um, I really want to be able to like live in the castle and hopefully be able to choose houses. That's the one thing I was hoping for out of uh, some of this description or some of this trailer gameplay to see whether or not you'd be able to actually choose your house i bet you will it seems like you can customize a lot of your character and i think a lot of players would be disappointed if they couldn't pick which house they were going to be in yeah laura you're a gamer what do you think of this you know i've had really mixed feelings about this um mostly for some reasons that we're going to touch on here in a couple of minutes but i also really wanted a game like this for a long time. And then it just never came. So I I saw this and I was like, it looks good. And it looks like a a labor of love from the crew that put this out. Um, But Mm -hmm. I don't know, I feel like I kind of moved on from the hope for a game like this. Oh, (laughs) maybe it came. It it was like too little too late for me. And then there were some other concerns. (laughs) <laughs> Before we get to that, though, one of the other things I'm really excited about is this line about this line that says only you can decide if you will protect the secret for the good of all or yield to the temptation of more sinister magic. It sounds like you are going to be able to s- decide which path your character takes. Are you going to be on the good side or are you going to be on the dark side? And that is very interesting. And we see this mm-hmm. a lot in video games these days where the choices you make greatly affect the way the video game goes. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, the trailer really sold me on it. It was pretty darn epic. So like Laura's alluding to, a lot of people have also been concerned about giving J.K. Rowling more of their money after what's gone on over the past year. Um, And she got in more hot water over the past week. So the timing was pretty unfortunate in terms of the Hogwarts Legacy announcement. And I thought one thing we could discuss here is what to do if you don't want to give J.K. Rowling your money, but you want to play the game. And I've seen a couple ideas on Twitter. There's been a big debate on Twitter over the past week. Mm -hmm. It made me want to quit Twitter. Stop telling me what to do. There are two paths here. And Laura, I know you've suggested this one in regards to the Fantastic Beast movies. Making a donation to uh, charities that support trans people. If you buy the video game. So let's say you spend $60 on this video game. You also spend another $60, uh, uh, put $60 towards a charity. And then the other idea, and I think this is the best bet, because with that, with that idea, with giving, buying the game and giving your money to charity, you're still giving your money to the video game. And some of that does go to JK Rowling, ultimately. The other idea is to buy the game used. 
none of that money will be going to JK Rowling. Those sales numbers aren't tracked, so it doesn't contribute to her influence. That seems like the safest bet. The only problem there, if you're really excited for this game, is you're going to have to wait a couple extra weeks. Oh, yeah. And you're going to have to get a system that has an optical drive because now they're selling the PS5 and the Xbox Series X without uh, a disk drive. So buying used will actually be a bit more difficult. Yeah, it could be. I'm going to hold on to my PlayStation 4 for this game. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably two. Well, wait, isn't isn't there a version of the PS5 that has a disk drive? There is. There is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you um, have to be sure to get that version. But that will cost more. Yeah. Um I think the way that I feel about this game, I don't personally feel compelled um to play it right now. As I said, I, I had kind of moved on from this possibility a long time ago. Um, but if I ever do feel as as though I want to play it, I will be buying it used. Um, because I'm just really trying to, and I know we all are as like we ride this awful wave of uh, J.K. Rowling's terrible opinions, um, trying to figure out how I can best live in this space and celebrate fandom while doing the least amount of harm. And to me personally, buying the game used feels like the best way to do that. So that's what I'll be doing. That's That's a cool idea. I really like that, actually. And, you know, the real quick about about this game again, this line about ancient magic that you're going to like, discover it or see how it works again that really hits on one of the top unanswered questions that i have from the harry potter series is you know what is that deeper level of magic that we see dumbledore kind of wordlessly tapping into what is that sort of um look like and where does it come from and i feel like just based on the trailer that some of those questions are going to be tackled throughout the story of this uh game and that just really does intrigue me yeah me too. Me too. It does really look like a game for adults. I think that's another big difference with this game versus mm. the other Harry Potter video games that we've seen in the past. And I've really become a big gamer over the past few years. So that makes me extra excited for this where five, 10 years ago, I may not have been as excited for it. Another thing is in terms of, you know, what to do in terms of buying the game. Final point I'll make is that this has obviously been an awful year and we need any good news we can take. So if you're ex- don't be afraid to be excited for this video game. We need things to look forward to right now and for a lot of our listeners this is absolutely going to be one of the things we can look forward to in the next year. Yeah. I I agree with you. I I would say that uh people should do what feels right to them. And, and I know yeah. we've offered a couple of suggestions up here but if you plan to go out and buy the video game, I think it's fair to say that that is totally fine and it's your decision. I, I'll most likely be doing that. And, you know, I think I'll do the same with the next Corman Strike book because I've heard a lot of things and I want to read it for myself and make my own judgments. So yeah, it's, it's not an easy decision to make given everything that has been going on and everything that's been said by JK Rowling, mm-hmm. but, uh, you should make it your own and, uh, don't feel pushed in one direction by people on Twitter. You could easily buy that new book used, Mike, if you wanted to. I'm sure that it's already true. available used if you wanted. I'm uh, trying to sell my Cormoran Strike books, by the way, if anybody would like to purchase them. I tried to bring them to a used bookstore the other day and they wouldn't take them because <laughs> they didn't know how J.K. Rowling's new book would sell. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we're like, we don't want these. <laughs> Keep them away. <laughs> Just really quick. I know we mentioned the systems that this would be available on. There is no plan for this to be on 
Nintendo Switch, right? I'm going to have to no. look into another system. So that's a whole other expense to add on top of this. Yeah. Unless I wanted yeah. to go the PC route. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, the Nintendo Switch, it doesn't have the capabilities that the PlayStation and Xbox systems have. So that's probably why we're not seeing it available for Nintendo Switch. Unfortunately, gotcha. because I'm a big Nintendo fan like you, Micah. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to have to get a PlayStation maybe. The good thing, though, for any of these systems is the expansion capabilities too down the line if they do want to open up the world even more. I think that yeah, there's a really great opportunity for that for fans of the game yeah those are usually called dlcs and i'm definitely willing to bet they are planning a dlc or two for this game as well because it seems like most modern video games do have these dlcs to squeeze a little more money out of you Mm -hmm. yeah it reminded me very much of breath of the wild before we get to some muggle mail it's time for a word from this week's sponsor an important resource for those of you who need someone to talk to better help We are living in one of the craziest years of our lifetimes, and this week it got even crazier. So you may feel like you need to talk to someone to work through things like anxiety, hopelessness, or just fear of the unknown. Speak to someone who is trained to help you during difficult times like these with a therapist at BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs in a variety of categories and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They can help you work through all kinds of problems from the ones I just mentioned to things like family and relationship issues. You can start communicating in under 48 hours after completing a quick survey. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. You'll have your own therapist who you can speak to from your own couch or your own bed. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. Then you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today, and we have a special offer for MuggleCast listeners. Get 10% off your first month of therapy at BetterHelp.com slash MuggleCast. Again, visit BetterHelp.com slash MuggleCast. That's BetterHelp.com slash MuggleCast and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. It's time for Muggle Mail, and we will start with a pair of voicemails. Hello, the pizza wizard here. I just wanted to pop into your discussion on magical pizza toppings, as I am the wizard of pizza. This is an expert section of my knowledge. I wanted to say that my favorite toppings tend to come from the uh, personal storage of one Severus Snape's potion ingredients. Oh boy, nothing hits the spot quite like a troll bogey and lace wing flies pizza. <laughs> and sometimes if I'm having a good day and get quite lucky, there are some gnome toenails I can throw onto the pizza as well. Hip hip and cheerio, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry, but... <laughs> I had to listen to that, so I figured everybody had to listen to that uh, going through the uh, inbox. And Are you a great saying job. that's hard to listen to? I thought no, I found no, that delightful. I, saying, I wanted to share the experience from Juliana. She did a great job. For more Pizza Wizard shenanigans, uh, check out her <laughs> podcast, Puffcast, the podcast for Hufflepuffs. Okay. 
Is that real too? That's that's genuinely that? real. That's where the pizza oh, wizard okay. comes from. Okay. Well, and there's a picture of the pizza wizard in the um, show doc here. We'll be sure to uh, <laughs> put him on social media. Yeah. He looks like Cookie else. Monster, but in pizza form. <laughs> he really does, actually. <laughs> yeah, he does. Well, I just love the hat. I love the triangle hat is on the triangle part of the pizza. <laughs> That right. makes a lot of sense. Okay. And we got a lot of feedback over the past week about last week's discussion. So thanks to everybody who wrote in. Here's some feedback about it from Chelsea. Hey, Mugglecasters. I was just listening to the episode on scenes we'd like to see in a TV series. And it just occurred to me how funny it would be to see the uh, Lost Day with Hagrid and Harry. So, like, we know that, you know, obviously it happens on Halloween and then Harry doesn't get trapped on the doorstep until midnight on the following day. So, like, what did Hagrid do with him in that time? Like, we're going to see Hagrid sitting in a cafe with baby Harry in a pram. Did he take him to a toddler time class? Like, like <laughs> did they just hang out in the leaky cauldron while Hagrid, ha- Hagrid had a couple of pints? Or, like, <laughs> exactly what did they do with themselves in that 24 hours before Dumbledore you know, summoned Hagrid to the Dursley's place. I, I think that would just make for a bit of um, interest in viewing. They hung out with the pizza wizard. <laughs> <laughs> You're never no, too young was... to start kids on pizza. <laughs> um, this was a hotly debated topic over the years, and there's actually a lot of writing about this online, about what happened in that lost day. I think that's a great mm-hmm. idea, Chelsea. Yeah. yeah, Chelsea's accent sounds a lot more authentic than the pizza wizards. I'm just <laughs> throwing does. that out there. <laughs> yeah, it was less insulting. <laughs> Don't insult the pizza wizard, y'all. Can yeah. we? Can we order? Can we make an order on this show and <laughs> test out some of this magical pizza? Right. Only if, if they've got Niffler toppings. Yeah. No. If, if you if if you insult the pizza <laughs> wizard, you're going to get pepperonied or Niffleroni. <laughs> All right. uh, Next piece of feedback comes from Danielle. Danielle says, I absolutely love this week's main discussion topic and wanted to share a scene I hope might make the cut when we finally get the Potter TV show. In Goblet of Fire, I'm particularly interested in the background moments of the Death Eaters before they are summoned to the graveyard. We know they feel their dark mark growing stronger leading up to Voldy's return. I'm specifically wondering if any of them prepared for this moment. I can almost picture a scene that when the Death Eaters feel they're summoned to the graveyard and then proceed to run around their homes half excited and half scared trying to find their Death Eater outfits slash costumes... <laughs> Did Narcissa Malfoy have Lucius's all ironed out and ready to go because they discussed the mark growing stronger? Or were they scared upon the summon because, oh yeah, they totally accidentally, unknowingly, and indirectly destroyed a Horcrux? I can almost <laughs> picture this being shot like the beginning of Deathly Hallows Part 1, when the trio is in their homes and prepping for the journey. Instead, it's more like a mad dash that spotlights a couple of different Death Eaters in their homes, and poor Bellatrix is extremely upset she can't rejoin her master, but all the same ecstatic that he has returned. Love it. Yeah. Between <laughs> us and our listeners, we are going to come up with the best television series ever. Should we just do it? <laughs> yeah, let's, why not? Let's go on Shark Tank and get some funding <laughs> yeah. for this show. I'm sure they won't be worried about the legal implications of of taking Harry Potter and doing something ourselves. Well, there have been good fan made shorts True. before. I feel like there's True. some precedent there. Okay, <laughs> let's True. hit up Hollywood. Let's see what we can do. 
Yeah, but great uh, email there from Danielle. Next one comes from Will, feedback on both episode 481 and 482. He says, going back to the point about how Neville is the unknowing catalyst that ends up driving Harry to become who he is, I remember a scene on the Train and Sorcerer's Stone movie, Ron is just about to show Harry the spell that would turn Scabbers yellow, as Hermione's going from compartment to compartment asking if anyone's seen a toad, because a boy named Neville lost it. Hermione, of course, ends up staying to watch Ron's not-so-successful demonstration of magic. I don't remember how this scene plays out in the book, but I thought it's worth mentioning again that even something that seems like a goof-up by Neville ends up having a profound effect like introducing the trio to one another. It's a good one. Yeah. And uh, something that I'd love to see on HPTV is perhaps a bridging episode between Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire. I'd love to see a few scenes of Sirius's travels with Buckbeak, especially as we don't really get much of Sirius at all in Goblet of Fire. Yeah. It occurred to me that between his time at Hogwarts, the first Wizarding War, Azkaban, and later being essentially confined to Grimmauld Place, Sirius's travels with Buckbeak is the only time in his adult life when he was truly able to enjoy his freedom, even if incognito. I think it would also nicely set up Order of the Phoenix by showing Sirius's reluctance to return to Grimmauld Place to claim the birthright that he tried to escape for the good of the Order so that the Order could use it as a safe house. Yes. And then Laura, he goes on to say he really liked your point about showing what the life of squibs are like. Yeah. I want a whole serious season between three and four. <laughs> season. Which is, yeah. It's a spinoff. It could be a spinoff. Oh yeah, maybe. But I, I no, I agree that there's the room in the in the canon to explore this uh inner turmoil of Sirius returning to his childhood home. You get good flashbacks to hanging out with James and stuff too. So it would be a mm-hmm. good way to build up the Marauders in advance of uh the eventual Snape's worst memory scene. So very true. And uh he wanted to shout out his friend Derek, who introduced him to Harry Potter all the way back in two thousand two. And Ashley, who once tried to make a Horcrux out of her MacBook. Andrew, you tried to do that, didn't you? <laughs> uh, no. You're big on Horcruxes. Well, well the next uh, email here comes from Layla. Uh, hey, MuggleCast, I really enjoyed last week's topic. I've been listening to the audiobooks for the first time and have been loving the experience. I'm currently on Half-Blood Prince, but I've been having this sense of nostalgia for scenes we never got in the movies. For example, I would have loved it if we had more Ginny scenes that gave her more of a personality. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Snaps for you, Layla. Um, But besides that, it has made me think more of how a TV show would be the best way to get these scenes. But I'd love, and note I'm fully aware not likely happening, a full-on channel. St. Mungo's show like General Hospital, a Diagon Alley, QVC, a Ministry of Magic show modeled after the West Wing. Any fun show ideas you'd like to see on this fictitious wizarding channel? Thanks for humoring me and this quarantine dream. But if there's producers listening out there, please, best Layla. Yeah, I want to see the uh, Gilderoy Lockhart one-man show where he literally just brings – he might have a guest every episode, but it's it's just like a, a – maybe even a late night. <laughs> a late night talk show. Okay. Yeah. Be, late uh, night with Lockhart. It'd be funny if they did like an Office or Parks and Rec style <laughs> um, episode uh, or show about people working in a particular environment. Maybe not necessarily government um, but any type of office environment. Like the Daily Prophet? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be great. 
<laughs> Profits and dailies, it'll be called. And the final email comes from Kate. She says, I listened to yesterday's show and it took until today to realize the scene we really, really need to see. Hermione defeating the Horcrux. It's such a deprivation that we don't get that huge character moment for her. Definitely needs to be in the TV show. Thanks for the show, you all. Love it every week. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. everybody would lose their minds watching her defeat the cup, destroy the cup. And just uh, one final email that we got was from Anne B. And it it ties into what we're going to talk about in our main discussion today. She commented on the age of the Marauders and Snape that they should have been in their early 30s and that James and Lily, looking at that uh, photograph that we see, were 21 when they had Harry. Um, and that the TV show should cast them age appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. That's honestly been the hardest part of what we're about to do, which is talk about casting is, you know, when you get around to the characters that were very, very young when they died, like James and Lily, I have trouble finding actors that are that age because all, a lot of the actors I know are much older than that already. So it's yeah. really hard to cast the younger characters for that reason. Yeah. And even more so as we kind of jump into this discussion, and we'll talk about a little bit later on, the trio themselves is as we look to who could possibly fill those roles. We'll talk a little bit about if the Potter series could could catch lightning in a bottle for a second time. I'm not sure that they could, especially for something that would need to be as long lasting as a television show. So no offense to the original trio, but they're not the world's greatest actors. No. It's not like they found the most perfect <laughs> actors. And, you know, frankly, <laughs> I'm going to get yelled at for saying this. Emma Watson hasn't gotten better as an actress. I mean, she was not that great in Beauty and the Beast, for example. So, you know, I don't think there's a very high bar for them to cross if they had to recast, if they do recast the trio. And it's like, when you're picking children so young, you don't know if they're going to end up becoming great actors. You know, that's kind of what I love about the particular era of TV that we're in. There are so many accomplished child actors now. Like when I go back and watch movies like from like early Sorcerer's Stone era, but also just like 90s, early 2000s, all the kid actors are just not like they're cute. They're cute kids. And that's how it works. That's the only way that it works. But now you have shows like His Dark Materials, Stranger Things, where you actually have very accomplished child actors. So I think they could do it. That's a good point. I think part of the allure of of the series, even early on, though, with those actors was that they were a bit unknown and that they seemed just normal. You know, there wasn't sort of this huge celebrity attached to them. You know, if you had gone the direction of, I believe, Initially, they were looking at Haley Joe Osmond for <laughs> yeah, that was the, the big role one. of Harry <laughs> because of Chris Columbus, right? Which wouldn't have worked. Uh, so, uh, but first, before we get into that, uh, we wanted to take some time to look at characters that weren't cast in the original series that played a fairly integral role in the books, uh, and we would want to see them come to life on the television screen. So let's start first with everybody's favorite professor, Professor Bins. <laughs> favorite? <laughs> okay. Well, you, the actor you're casting here is, you know, this is next level. Yeah. So we, we each cast uh, one of these characters. We're going to take turns throughout the discussion. I thought Ian McKellen 
could play Professor Binns. Uh, when I think Professor Binns, I think old. And Ian McKellen is very old at this point. I also find him very difficult to understand. <laughs> and he's great at being boring. Just see the Hobbit film series to see what I'm talking about. Oh. Ouch. So I would blame like to that on Ian. him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a joke. Ian McKellen, he's, he could have been Dumbledore. So I would like to see him in a Harry Potter television series. Mm-hmm. I, I love the idea that there's this like epic Shakespearean actor who you'd never know because is in is in like Hogwarts as a teacher because he just kind of keeps himself and keeps a little quiet and he like drolls on and nobody likes his class. But like, I, I, I love the I love the casting. Nice work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's also that uh, backstory with Richard Harris and the fact that the two did not get along well with each other. So oh, really? Ian into the Harry Potter series. Yeah, there there was a lot of uh, news when Richard Harris was playing the role that, uh, you know, Gandalf and Dumbledore couldn't really <laughs> see eye to eye. Yeah, there was oh. there was definitely a there was an old group of friends. Richard Harris was one of them. I think Peter O'Toole as well. Um, just this old group of basically drinking buddies, and uh, rivalries were made. I guess pretty interesting. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So next up is Augusta Longbottom. I thought she could be played by Judy Dench. She has Judy Dench. She has a motherly appeal. And I was also thinking, unfortunately, she just got written out of the James Bond series. So she has some extra extra time right now to take on another role. And, you know, like Professor Binns, Augusta is a character we probably wouldn't see too often. So while casting these, I'm also thinking about, like, would these actors be up for these massive long-term roles? No, in the case of Augusta, yeah, Judy Dench, she could just pop in from time to time. I, I also love this casting. I think because when I think of Augusta Longbottom, I think of Stern, um, you know, sort of forcing Neville to 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 Ooh, try and point. be more excited. Yeah, and, right. And, and 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 Judy Dench has that like Stern angle as well, just like you know Julie Walters does as well. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I I absolutely see this casting working out. Yeah, I love this as well. Um, I think about Judy Dench in roles like, did you guys ever see um, Chocolat, for example? No. She was in that. Like, I imagine that kind of like cranky, cantankerous, but still loving <laughs> um, type portrayal. I think that would be perfect for Augusta. I mean, look, she was in the Cats movie, so she'll do anything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> at this point of her career. I'm disappointed to uh, hear that she was written out of the Bond series. No more M. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that kind of like a... Well, no, that the was, movie's been out for a couple breaking years. News. Well, the, the, no, the, role, the role is now played by Ray Fiennes, Mr. Voldemort himself. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Wait a second. Skyfall came out in 2012. I know. Oh, Do you can you believe that? Where's the time gone? That's the movie she was written out in. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also she was in Artemis Fowl, the Disney adaptation. My God, that was a terrible movie. It's on Disney Plus. <laughs> so she can redeem herself by getting getting into the Harry Potter TV series. <laughs> Don't waste your time with that movie, please. It is awful. All right, next one. Yes, we have uh, Charlie. Weasley. The one Weasley really didn't get a, a spotlight or a close-up in the Harry Potter films. Um, you know, he wouldn't necessarily have much to do. Charlie's kind of only ever in the, the background of the books, but I'd like to see them cast an actor who I've seen do good things, and that's uh, Asa Butterfield. 
he notably like i first saw him playing ender in ender's game he's also on a several series running uh several seasons running long series called sex education on netflix do you guys watch that show yeah he's great i've heard Mm -hmm. about it yeah so i I can see him um you know popping in doing whatever work is needed i can also see him um really just fleshing out the role of charlie giving a little bit of a uniqueness to the to the charlie role but i I would like to see them cast asa and then also like write more scenes for charlie um or even just do the scenes in the book like when they're all around the table at the burrow i believe charlie's there then so you know they'd be a little they'd have a little bit more to do with him if they cast a charlie weasley eric i know Mm -hmm. you just complimented my castings but i feel like this is dead on arrival because asa he isn't a redhead all weasleys must be genuine redheads well uh neither james nor oliver phelps were genuine redheads (gasps) Damn it, you're right. Never mind. But it is my next casting uh, that I'm particularly proud of in the role of <laughs> Ludo Bagman. I think they, I think really the Harry Potter uh, powers that be were onto something when they cast this guy to do the audiobook version of Quidditch. But it is, of course, <laughs> the international athlete uh, David Beckham that I would love to see on screen in an acting role as Ludo Bagman, the head of Department of mm. Magical Games and Sports. Yeah. Yeah, I like this a lot. Yeah, I think if they put like a beer belly on him, <laughs> this would work. I was really struggling yep. to think about who to cast here. I like I was rereading his introduction in Goblet, and I was like, man, I just can't think of anyone and then you found the most obvious choice thank you yeah it (laughs) it did actually strike me as being like an extremely obvious choice but at the same time it's like took me a while to get there he's acted before he's in the man from uncle i think he might have even been in one of the charlie's angels films a long time ago um but maybe that's just he was also in king arthur legend of the sword so he's got fantasy experience too yeah yeah so seeing him and again Ludo Bagman not a really big role but if you're in the goblet right. era you can watch him swindle the the Weasley twins like he out Weasley twins the Weasley twins come on that's got to be that's going to make for good TV yeah i think definitely a fun angle of this TV series is that there are so many characters that there's so many opportunities for some cameos so i kind of think of Ludo Bagman like a cameo he can show up for one episode. Oh, yeah. my God. David Beckham. Wow, that's amazing. And then, you know, we just move on. Mm-hmm. Right. I, to Laura's point, I do like that Eric picked the antithesis of Ludo Bagsman in terms of, like, it being an athlete. Now, I know Ludo <laughs> has prior experience being an athlete, but I'm just saying, like, what he is now, oh. David would have to probably have a few pints, a few hundred <laughs> pints maybe to uh, catch up to Ludo. So next up... We have Peeves, who would definitely, in my opinion, be a fan favorite of the series. And uh, we do have a little bit of conflicting opinion here. Not conflict, you know, we just have different suggestions. How about that? Uh, (laughs) Eric went the route of somebody who was already in the Harry Potter series, right? So that, that by itself, I think, should discount them from reappearing (laughs) disqualified already been in harry potter go ahead i'll let you go first eric okay uh, with your suggestion for david tennant this is a role that i could see david tennant playing um he's extremely versatile he's done a lot of darker stuff lately 
to be honest, kind of creeps me out. He's Kilgrave and Jessica Jones. He's in a, a show called Criminal UK that's now on Netflix. Um, but uh, but David Tennant just has an endless uh, comedic ability, showcased mostly in his comedic work with Catherine Tate. And if you YouTube David Tennant, Catherine Tate, you will get just the funniest comedy that you've ever seen. But uh, but yeah, so you know he was Doctor Who for four years he still does some audio um dramas of that he's he's just an extremely versatile actor that they that was i feel wasted in the harry potter films uh particularly in goblet of fire you barely know that he's there but as peeves he could pop in really whenever they wanted him to and really kind of cause some havoc and i i just see david being one of those faces that you welcome onto the screen even if you don't Mm -hmm. welcome his character yeah and then what's yours, Micah? Yeah, I, I went the uh, the direct comedic route with uh, Ricky Gervais. <laughs> uh, I just feel like Ricky could easily fill this role. has nothing to do with the fact I watched stand-up from him last night. I put this in much earlier than that. But I just think that his ability to craft a joke – he would absolutely love the destruction element of this job, the things that he gets to do around the school. And I just think he would bring a, a fresh, you know, different perspective to Hogwarts, the one that we have definitely never seen before. I mean, he would have to keep his mouth under control, but uh, <laughs> he, he definitely likes to uh, drop a few uh, inappropriate comments here and there. But I think when I think of Peeves, that's who I think of. I, I do like this. I do like a that's an equally strong, if not stronger, casting, I think. I like so I'm not the biggest Ricky Gervais fan, but I he does have this wild laugh that I think would work really well for Peeves. Yeah. So I'll preface this by saying that um I I like Ricky Gervais, but he I, I have like a threshold. Like he eventually annoys me. If I'm watching him too much, <laughs> just like Peeves, yes. just like Peeves. So, to so be fair. actually, so in that regard, I think it could be perfect. But I really think that it depends on what kind of Peeves we're hoping to see on screen. Like, if we're looking for a more cartoonish, like book style Peeves that we're all that we all know and love, I think Ricky Gervais could be the right way to go. But depending on the tone that the show is hoping to establish, they could take Peeves in a darker direction. And I think David Tennant could be perfect for that. So I think either one of these could work just yeah, depending I see on the what direction. You're like, yeah. Yeah. T- David Tennant definitely could go that darker direction. Ricky Gervais is more of the Peeves that would be, you know, urinating on the Quidditch house cup yeah. or into that. You <laughs> know like, what I mean? Like, doing that endless Ricky Gervais laugh that like once I hear it too long, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we'll leave it up to the uh, the show to figure out who ends up getting that role. Next up is a, is a series of characters that uh, was kind of disappointing we didn't get to see in the films, and that is the Gaunt family. So starting with uh, Merope, then Morphin, then Marvolo, uh, for Merope, Tilda Swinton came to mind. Uh, she plays the White Witch in the Chronicles of Narnia series. Her acting career is, and, and credits are much, much longer than that. But her role as the White Witch kind of made me think of her for this, just given how Merope as a character uh, is described in, in Half-Blood Prince. I think she could do a really good job in this role. Yeah. Yeah. 
And what I like about Tilda, too, is that she's um, she's extremely versatile. Like she's just somebody who can be aged up or down very successfully. And I think for the case of Marobi, she would need to be aged down pretty significantly. But she's sort of I don't know. I see Tilda Swinton and she's sort of ageless in a way like you can't quite Mm -hmm. pinpoint how old she is. And I think that that would really in terms of like the physical aspect of the character, it would really serve that purpose. And then most importantly, she's just extremely accomplished. And um, I think that this would make me want to see more of Merope, like kind of how last week we talked about what scenes we would want to see in the show that we didn't see in the books. I think this would give them more room, especially given, you know, the weight of Tilda Swinton's career and the talent she'd be bringing to the table to really expand on that character so that we see more of her backstory. I think it would be really cool. I was going to say too, most of that character is nonverbal. Most of that character Mm -hmm. is like, she's so you know, forced into her shell by her bigger brother and her dad um, and all that abuse that you'd get a lot of, I don't know, just telling facial expressions. And Tilda's really, really good at conveying emotion non-verbally. Just a skill that I think any actor in that role would have to have. Yeah. I'm glad you suggested her because she has, she's one of the most unique looking actresses out there and i was trying to think of where to place her in the harry potter tv series for that reason Hmm. because wizards they all look unique (laughs) (laughs) so so uh uh, this is a good spot for her there's certainly others that she could take the role of i mean depending on you know again looking at what we're thinking of for the ages of certain characters you know maybe a narcissa malfoy or or a bellatrix Mm -hmm. would just given that she has that experience in in those types of roles as well and she does evil just about as as good as anybody cuz there's always at least with the narnia series initially there's that sweet coyness to her where she's able to trick peter uh so she does that very well yeah i will say and this is something i was thinking about as we were planning this i would love to see a day where we can cast in a Harry Potter TV show, not being super tied to gender roles. Like Tilda Swinton, as as you mentioned, Micah, she's phenomenal in those evil roles. Why couldn't she play Voldemort? Right. Why not? Yeah. When we think about casting Hermione in The Cursed Child, you know, that rocked the fandom and the world in the best way right? When they made Hermione black. And I think they could absolutely do that for this. Um, Mm -hmm. It would be a great way to freshen up the story too, to Laura's point. Absolutely. And uh, continuing with the the Gaunt family uh, with Morphin Gaunt. And this was another hard one. uh, and, And I thought about who's just so crazy out there that they would fit into this role you know, sent to Azkaban multiple times and and somehow is still able to just pull off. Joaquin Phoenix came to mind. I mean, <laughs> just, I don't know why, maybe the Joker, maybe not, but I, I, I see similarities in the mindset of, of these two characters. 
they're both just absolutely batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I could see Joaquin Phoenix going like total method acting on this. Like he would live as Morphin for months before actually shooting. <laughs> Live in a shack and not really talk to anybody and, you know, and be in the woods. After seeing him in Joker, and I and I liked, I guess I, I've seen him in a couple movies before then, but seeing him in Joker, I'm like, this guy portrays, you know, mental unhingement, like just mental derangement um, quite well. Really or some, well. Somebody, yeah, somebody, <laughs> yeah, somebody who's not quite all there. And through Bob Ogden's eyes in the book – you get the sense that th- there's this just this wild, crazy guy who nailed a snake to the door with his knife, and he's going to come at you with a knife because you're going to take him like, you know. So, yeah, there are very few actors who I think could play it sort of realistically or play it straight, and Joaquin is one of them. Rounding out the uh, the Gaunts, Marvolo. I decided to cast Sean Connery in this role. <laughs> um, Sean is old AF, just like Marvolo. And uh, Sean's also got that. That I'm doing the SNL impression now, but he can he can put on a rough voice. I feel at this age, cast somebody who's very old in this role because Marvelo is also very old as well. And he's got kind of a a rugged look too, and 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 he can have an evil look to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, just talking about this has made me realize how much I want to see these scenes. Like the Gaunts got shafted by not being in the movie, but like. Marvolo's pride uh, over who he is and where he comes from, even though it's not a great place and it's not all that much to be excited about, uh, really is something that I want to see in 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 art and TV right now. Like, yeah, cameos, cameos, cameos. Eric, we can cast you as Bob Ogden so that you get this full experience. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing! I'm going to audition for Bob Ogden, and if I don't get it, I'm going to audition for Eric, the security wizard at the ministry. <laughs> All right, and then just rounding out uh, the characters that didn't make an appearance in the movies but were in the books, uh, we felt it's appropriate to talk about the founders of Hogwarts. And uh, we'll start off with Godric Gryffindor. And uh, similar to what we ran into with Peas, we have uh, some different suggestions here. But uh, I went with James Cosmo. most people will probably know him for his role as Lord Commander Mormont in the Game of Thrones series. He's also uh, in his Dark Materials. He's also in the first of the Chronicles of Narnia movie. He plays uh, Santa Claus. I'm, I, that's not the character's name, but I call him Santa Claus because that's who he <laughs> Father really is. Christmas. Father Thank Christmas. You very much. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. When I thought of Godric Gryffindor, I, I thought of James Cosmo. So, uh, but Laura, I know you had another suggestion. Yeah. So I think of Paul Giamatti specifically. (laughs) (laughs) No, hear me out. Hear me out. I think specifically of his role in HBO's John Adams, um, that kind of like cantankerous, stubborn, like moral high horse, I think would be perfect for Godric Gryffindor. Like I can see very much with the founding fathers as they were with John Adams. I could see the Hogwarts founders being like, okay, Godric. Yeah, we heard you. You can stop talking now. You're fine. Okay. We agree. Shut up. So I think that would be perfect. Paul Giamatti is also a very accomplished character actor. So I think that he could really bring Gryffindor to life. You know, fun fact, Mm. Paul Giamatti also played Santa Claus. (laughs) 
in a movie with Vince <laughs> Vaughn called Fred Claus. If you remember, I saw it in theaters. Um, yeah, so we're casting pretty much Santa Claus actors as Godric Gryffindor. I love that. <laughs> I'm not sure what that, that means, but... Well, it's a big red yeah, suit. I, That's one of the colors, you know, so... That is. I like uh, I like that suggestion too, Laura. With With James Cosmo, I just thought his ability to just command a group of people and yeah. and just his presence in general in a lot of these roles, but particularly with his role in, in the Game of Thrones series. Um, when I think about, you know, Gryffindor and, and how he would be amongst the other founders, uh, like I said earlier, James Cosmo came to mind. So, yeah, but uh, definitely like your suggestion. All right. Uh, next up, we mentioned this, I think last week during our, our other TV show discussion, Salazar Slytherin, my choice is John Malkovich. Yeah. And <laughs> it's hard because when we're sitting here, we're talking about, obviously we want to talk about other roles that they've played, but there's certain people that just come to mind when you think of characters. And for me, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because of thinking all the way back, and this was a terrible adaptation of the movie, of the book Aragon, uh, but he did play the villain in that as well. And it was very short-lived because it didn't go beyond one movie. Yeah. Um, but just he, he is very versatile in his ability. Um, I think he does evil very well. And mm-hmm. he not in a way that you're you're afraid of him because of the intellectual side, not because of – like when I think of Voldemort, I think people are afraid of him Number one because of the way that he looks, but but number two because of the fear that he inspires through torture and other things like that. But I feel like for somebody like John Malkovich, Slytherin would just be at a, at a completely different level. He's got mm-hmm. the evil look. That face just screams evil. <laughs> Jesus, Andrew. and you just need to what? It's true. So you take a look at him. Yeah, that's Salazar. I don't mm-hmm. want to get near him. Yeah, I yep. I would not challenge this casting. I think this is perfect. Um just because John Malkovich really can embody multiple kinds of evil. Like we've seen him do various different things in his time on screen. Side note, I actually met him a few years ago and he's <laughs> so lovely and kind in person. It's a complete um it's a complete 180. <laughs> from what you'd expect yeah it was weird i saw him recently in um space force i watched a couple of those episodes <laughs> on netflix the with uh steve carell and yeah it, it it's he's he's not evil in any to any extent in that show but it's just interesting to see a, a character or sorry an actor who you normally think of as you know carrying on these evil roles in in a role like that um, where he's much more like even tempered and just laid back and but his his ability to deliver a line i think too um just just in that um can inspire fear so next up rowena ravenclaw it's a battle here another battle between laura and myself but uh i think either choice would be would be great uh i went with viola davis Again, extremely well accomplished. A number of of roles that we could point to. I thought about um, the role she played in How to Get Away with Murder. I think mm-hmm. how appropriate for Rowena Ravenclaw that somebody who starred in How to Get Away with Murder uh, would play her, um, <laughs> her daughter, Bloody Baron. That whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Anyway, I said Indira Varma. Um, you'd recognize her from Game of Thrones, Luther, and Rome. Um, I think. 
this would be a hard choice because they're both phenomenal. Like I don't, I wouldn't be mad about Viola Davis <laughs> getting this role. Um, I think they could both carry it off maybe in very different ways, but I would love the strength that either of these actors would bring to the role of Ravenclaw. Like in my head canon, I always imagined Ravenclaw being much more of a leader amongst the founders than Gryffindor, actually. And that could just be personal bias because I'm a Ravenclaw, whatever, like come at me. Um, But I I really think that these two could really like bring the heavyweight aspect to Ravenclaw's character, especially if we got those extended like, um, you know, flashback scenes or even full episodes of the founders. They would be amazing. Mm. Yeah. Agreed. I, I think Indira Varma, the, the way that she played Ilaria Sand and, you know, the, the qualities of, of Ilaria as a character and just how she was able to utilize the intellect to really keep herself around as long as she did, because we know that's the name of the game in Game yep. of Thrones. And, sure is. Uh, you know, Viola Davis with that sternness. I, I, th- I think both of them could have that sort of that stern nature come through as, as you were saying, Laura, that those leadership qualities, you know, being able to command the room uh, amongst these others. Uh, so I think either of them would be a really great choice. I will say I like Viola Davis also fits my headcanon for another character that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. So I'll mention her there as like an alternate casting. Okay. okay. This final founder is very interesting <laughs> for Hufflepuff. I don't know about this one, but Helga Hufflepuff. Michael, was this your idea? Uh, yeah, because I think we just needed to uh, find uh, an actor that could play the role, an actress that could play the role. And for whatever reason, Rebel Wilson came to mind. <laughs> were you watching Pitch Perfect? <laughs> yes, you, yeah, yeah, this you, you caught me that's what i was doing well you know uh, what's interesting the background. about picking rebel and i don't think it's a particularly great choice but we've picked a bunch of serious actors so far for the most part yeah. we need some light-hearted actors and actresses in here yeah. so i can get down with rebel wilson or a comedian of some sort <laughs> yeah I, that's kind of the direction i was going with with um with hufflepuff i i just felt that there needed to be to your point a, a bit of levity to this group and yes a lot of these other selections they they're very serious in nature and i feel like even bringing the the comedic side of her to it would just kind of lighten things up a little bit yeah, yeah i okay, agree cool. i agree they should keep her australian as well um, <laughs> Elga from Australia. Elga from Australia. They're like, don't you have your own wizard school in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> ah, shut up! I'm here. <laughs> no, she's really funny. I would, I would like to see her in this movie or TV series. Sure. Okay, so that's it for the characters who we haven't seen uh, in the movies. So let's move on to the notable characters. So let's start with Dumbledore, the big one. I thought Benedict Cumberbatch could play (laughs) Albus Dumbledore. He is smart. He is smooth. He is tall. He is sexy. Check, 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 check. Everything you need in a Dumbledore. I mean, come on. Benedict Cumberbatch has to be in the Harry Potter TV series. He's in everything else. Um, Right. I mean, are you thinking of him as like present age old Dumbledore or young Dumbledore? 
uh, old. He can do old. Okay. I mean, you see him in Doctor Strange. He's got some gray hair going on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he can he could pull it I off. I mean, I've got some gray hair going on, Andrew. Does that mean <laughs> I can play Dumbledore? No, you're not yes. British. Oh, oh, gender reverse Dumbledore. That would be amazing. Oh. Yeah, why not? That, yeah. Dumbledore. There's a lot of uh, people we've cast thus far that are not British. I'm also just thinking about you think of him as Sherlock and he's he's incredibly intelligent fast thinking you know working through these cases it would be perfect that that type of character would be perfect for the role of Dumbledore and then I also have this crackpot idea kind of which is Jude Law he's already playing Dumbledore so why not keep it going why not cast him for the Harry Potter TV series as well he's 47 years old so uh, you know he's he's already got the experience playing Dumbledore I saw an interview the other day he's like I don't have to dye my hair gray because my hair is getting gray for Dumbledore (laughs) (laughs) and I think he genuinely loves the wizarding world it's true I mean if all else fails Benedict Cumberbatch um, could voice Norbert or the Hungarian Horntail yeah get him in there somehow because he voiced Smaug. I know. You know, like, I'm, I think I'm having a hard morning here. So, no, no, um, no, no, no. I got I do, it. I, I, I do like it. the synergy there, uh, Andrew, with Jude Law and Jude Fantastic Law. Beasts and bringing him to the to the TV series. I would also maybe pull over, uh, if we do give Gryffindor to Paul Giamatti, we, we could bring James Cosmo into the mix for Dumbledore, too. Yeah. As the older um, possibility for the role. Yeah, Dumbledore is kind of Santa Claus-esque. Oh, yeah. Another big character, Snape, played by Tom Hiddleston. Yes, sold. He knows how to play both good and bad guys. He's a huge fan favorite, just like Snape is. You like this, Laura? Yes. Um, And to the point that was raised earlier in the discussion, he would be far closer to Snape's actual age. Um, Uh I mean, no shade towards Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman was cast because he was perfect for the role. But that required them to age up um, everybody who was associated with the Marauders when actually they were much younger men. Um, So I think seeing him would be perfect. I think about his portrayal of Loki, of course, like that's probably what he's most well known for at this point. Um, I think he would be great. The next bit of casting was actually submitted by a listener and I... Could not agree more. I think it's possibly the best casting that I've heard all morning. No offense to any of us, uh, but it's so, so, so good. Um, our listener, Mackenzie Uhlenhop, wrote in. So uh, actually, I won't even say her last name. Our listener, Mackenzie, wrote in. Uh, so who would you all cast in the inevitable HP TV series? As I was watching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I couldn't help thinking of Michelle Gomez as McGonagall. She's scary, serious, and actually Scottish. Hmm. So Michelle Gomez, I first met because she's on Doctor Who. She played, or she was, she played the female incarnation of the Master, who's like the absolute arch enemy of the Doctor, and she was delightful. She's fun. She's scary. She has the right level of intensity that I think McGonagall has. It would be really, really, really nice to see. Michelle Gomez in that role. And as uh, Sabrina's teacher in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, she also gives off sort of a slight maternal vibe if it's not totally twisted. Uh, So yeah, it's, she's, she's amazingly gifted actress. And I think you need somebody in McGonagall that could 
carry the show if need be because McGonagall is carrying Hogwarts if need be. So it yeah. just it just I can matches see this up. for sure. Yeah. She's got the McGonagall look to her. Yeah, that too. That yeah, that too. I was gonna say this is my like surprise alternate casting for Viola Davis. Ooh. Um, for actually a lot of the reasons that Micah brought up when um talking about the Ruina Ravenclaw casting, like she's got that stern, like academic, um, professorial approach. And I think she would just you know, fit in the role of McGonagall pretty seamlessly. No hate towards Michelle Gomez, because I think she'd be great, too. No, and for more Viola Davis, too, check out an Amazon Prime show or movie called Troop Zero uh, about uh, a troop of of girls, a troop of kids who who needs to uh, win it at a local competition. Um, It was advertised. I saw it. It's amazing. It's honestly, her work in it is very good. And Allison Janney is also in it, who I'm surprised hasn't made it on the show oh, yet. Oh, that is a good point. She is phenomenal. All right, next one. Okay, so I'm actually battling myself on Voldemort. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Take her away, Laura. <laughs> yeah, in addition to, I think, I think gender-bending Voldemort and putting Tilda Swinton in this role would be amazing. Um, but I also wanted to call out Kleiss Bang. Have you guys ever seen Netflix's Dracula miniseries? No. He, well, he plays Dracula and he is so silky in his evil that mm. I really see him being able to pull off Voldemort. Um, also, I would recommend Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, he was Gus in Breaking Bad. He's also in The Mandalorian. And he's another one who just plays evil so well. And I think that yeah. Giancarlo, like his thing is he can really bring out the evil persuasive side of a character. Yeah. Um, like he's just, he's so organized and so matter of fact that I think he could actually make Voldemort genuinely terrifying. Um, sorry, Ray Fines, but like I really... <laughs> Of the portrayals that I disliked the most in the films, it was Ray Fiennes' Voldemort. I just, it was too, it was too cartoonish for me. Mm. I never felt scared of Voldemort in the films. And I think that um, either one of the three actors that I mentioned could actually bring the terrifying Voldemort to life that I would love to see. Giancarlo's Gus in Breaking Bad is so scary. Mm -hmm. So scary. And What's amazing about it is he's so terrifying without even saying much. And I think that would be really interesting to see in Voldemort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much that can be said with saying nothing. And when you can act through facial expressions, that says a lot about what you can do with a role. His death glare is something else Mm -hmm. in Breaking Bad. And Better Call Saul. That's Mm -hmm. true, yeah. Uh, Well, the next character to tackle is a half giant. It's Hagrid. I honestly, we were talking about comedians and how we should be looking to cast more um, comedians in a role. But Hagrid really is a straight up comedic role. If you think about it, there's a tremendous amount of heart like there is in any good comedy. But you need to have the ability to look inward and really just, you know. We laugh at Hagrid. Hagrid is always in the the more levity scene. So I suggest Patton Oswalt for the role. Yeah, I'm into this. Patton Oswalt, I think he's openly tweeted about reading the Harry Potter series to his daughter. Yeah. And he's a huge fan. So mm. I would love this. 
for that reason and having a comedian as Hagrid. I think a comedian should play Hagrid. That would yeah. be an awesome re- refresh of the character. Yeah, absolutely. And and that would be something that could be sustained throughout all the films. You'd always want to see him on screen. And again, that's that's me with Patton Oswalt. Every time I see him <laughs> in something. Like he recently um, hosted a read-through of The Princess Bride. And it was just every every time he was on screen, I was as excited as I was to see all the others. So Only problem, though, is Patton Oswalt, I think he's on the shorter side. So that would be pretty challenging. I know Robbie Coltrane wasn't a very tall person either, but still. Yeah, they'd have to movie magic it. <laughs> CGI. Sure. Yeah. Give yeah, him a uh, force perspective. CGI. Thing. Right. Yeah, you know, you know, um Ian McKellen isn't really thirteen feet tall either. Uh all those <laughs> yeah, all those know. hobbits, you know. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh but yeah, and then no, mo- I, Yeah. Well no, just I I I like this selection. I also say whoever is in that role of Hagrid needs to be able to have a good kind of synergy with the younger kid actors, because I think that was something that Robbie Coltrane did a very good job of early on interacting with the younger Dan, Emma Rupert, and Mm -hmm. uh, having that kind of just that compassion that comes through. Yeah, you need a kind of a twinkle. Kind of a twinkle in your eye. Exactly. So look to other Santas that, we, that we've seen on screen. <laughs> James um, Cosmo, let's throw him <laughs> Tim he Allen Hagrid. as Hagrid. Yeah, um, Tim Allen. Yeah. but no, uh, not Tim Allen. But yeah, mo- moving on to a, a slightly more sinister role, uh, Bellatrix. This was really hard to cast, and I kind of settled for just my mental picture of Bellatrix, like brunette, can play evil. I suggested uh, Elizabeth Hurley, who I know from Mm. her role as the devil uh, in Bedazzled, uh, but that's obviously a comedy. Um, And also Austin Powers. She was the Bond girl. She was Vanessa. Um, So I really like her. I like her accent. And I think that she, if tasked to play Bellatrix, could just be totally different than Helena Bonham Carter, but also still pretty good. Yeah, what? One person that just came to mind for me too when you were going through that description is Lena Headey. Um, oh, yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. Another Game of Thrones actor, uh, Cersei Lannister. But, uh, you know, I, and it's probably not fair to always pigeonhole into those evil roles, but her role and, and what she was able to do with that character throughout the entirety of Game of Thrones was just unreal like you liked her at times and you absolutely hated her at times and that character can be a bit shallow in the books but when it was played by lena hady on screen you ultimately like saw every bit of where she was coming from you understood the nuance and she really brought it to life and for bellatrix who is kind of a two-dimensional character in the harry potter books like don't hate on me people uh you know she could really like flesh that out i think definitely so that's super cool All right. Well, looking forward towards Umbridge. This is something we've talked about before, so we don't have to spend too much time on it. But um, Olivia Coleman, um, just because, Mm -hmm. you know, she's in Broadchurch, The Crown, Fleabag. She's currently playing a middle-aged version of the Queen, but Imelda Staunton is going to be taking over for the next time jump in season five. (laughs) So if we, you know, wanted an Umbridge who was actually maybe a bit closer to the age of the character in the book for the TV show... 
I think Olivia Coleman would fit the bill. She's also extremely accomplished, very versatile. And when you see her in shows like Broadchurch, The Crown and Fleabag, you see very different, uh, the very different versions of characters that she can play. So I think she could pull this off beautifully. Yeah, excellent. Coming up with Molly Weasley was also very difficult because Julie Walters, I think, embodies the character for me to a level where I can't really get her out of my head. But after trying for a bit, I came up with the idea. Let me know what you think. Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> no. 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 Yeah, I have a- She's way too young. No, well, no, She's is way she? Too young. Is she? Yes. No, yes. because if you think about it, they have to recast all of the Weasleys as actual 9, 10, 11 year olds. Jennifer Lawrence can play a mom. I don't know that she has yet. She's 30 years old. Gosh. Laura, you're 30, right? Uh, Should Laura play yeah, no. uh, Laura, would uh, you, Molly would, Weasley? How old do you think Molly is? I mean... Older than 30? Yeah. She's had like eight kids. <laughs> yeah, and she also, some of those eight kids are adult children. Yeah, that's I think they could age up Jennifer Lawrence and she could play <sighs> Molly Weasley. I think... Because she'd crush it. She does drama extremely well. She I, I, she's right. also could be getting into character actressing. Who do you think should play her? Who do I don't know? <laughs> so, so we'd Coleman. all admit it's hard. Thank you very much. Yeah, so I'm not saying it's an easy decision. Okay, right? okay. <laughs> but if we pair this with who you cast for Arthur Weasley, okay, maybe it's it's getting a little more interesting now. Okay, I, 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 uh, all right, all right. <laughs> so well, what's your idea okay, for Arthur? Then, uh, okay, then in that case, for Arthur Weasley, I cast Rupert Grint, and you know every series. I think every new adaptation should have some kind of a nod to the original adaptation. And what better way than casting a recent father, Rupert Grant, as his original character's own dad? Uh, Also, you know, Rupert's uh, pretty busy right now, I guess. But Arthur appears infrequently enough that I could see this working. And I could see Rupert wanting to play Arthur Weasley. I could also see Rupert and Jennifer Lawrence being like TV mom and dad. I don't know. I I can just mm-hmm. picture it. So I can buy into this casting in like 10 years from now. Okay. So Rupert Grant, Jennifer Lawrence, 10 years from now could take on these roles. But yeah, I also agree that the TV series needs some sort of link to the film series, and that could be a good one, Rupert. Yeah. If not, if not Jude Law, then he's probably you know, and he needs more money for a new ice cream truck. Probably that last one is probably <laughs> on the outs. Yep. So that is a fair point. Ice cream is important. Ice cream is a magic beyond all we do here. But uh, I think that brings us to our last uh, character to cast for today. In that is the role of Sirius Black. Thank you all for letting me have this one. I genuinely don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about very much, but I chose Tom Ellis, who currently is on screen as Lucifer, the devil. Again, very silky smooth. He's got a lot of personality to him, and I could just see this being, a, a, you know, an opportunity to more paternal role once we get to the Harry stuff. But also in the way that Gary Oldman was jarringly crazy looking in the Azkaban release poster and you really also believe him to be the villain of that book or that year at Hogwarts, I can see Tom Ellis being able to play both. And he's Welsh. So, you know, he's cool. I think Tom Ellis also has a rugged look to him, which could be important for Sirius with such a storied history. Yeah, I would say, too, though, the the only thing being 
the age piece of it. Um, you being 42, it looks like yeah. from his uh, IMDb page. We were, we were talking a little bit earlier about just making sure some of these characters are age appropriate. And, um, you know, Sirius would be what, in his early 30s? Yeah. So, How would he be with flying on giant birds? Does he have any experience there? Uh, I'm sure it happens in Lucifer, but I haven't watched <laughs> okay. a lot of that show. Okay. He flies on hellhounds or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. The entire Harry Potter TV series is cast. Well, Minus many of the roles have been cast A couple today. hundred characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> but, hope everybody uh, enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I would say if, if people have recommendations, they want to send them in, we'd love to hear them if, along with the explanation why you think they would be good in these roles. It's it's tough, as you can see. Like some of us struggled on uh on some of these characters because uh we're always influenced by by what came before. It's time now for Quizitch. Last week's question in Goblet of Fire. Who does Mad-Eye say ambushed him? So it was, of course, uh, his dustbins that <laughs> he says ambushed him. It was We know it was Barty Crouch Jr. and Peter Pettigrew, but he says it was dustbins. Correct answers were submitted by Lance Dance, Jeff Skellington, Count Ravioli, Sarah A.K. Weensley, young Susie Blood, and Darren Johnson. Congratulations. I think we've all been sorry, I think we've all been ambushed by dust in our lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the dust bins, rubbish bins, whatever they are, it feels like they're always, you know, circling in. You gotta maintain constant vigilance. Yeah, you know, you're you go out early morning, the the garbage bin's been here, they they pick up the trash and you haven't had your cup of coffee yet. You stumble over the bins on your way out of the house. Exactly. Wow. That was very specific. <laughs> yeah, it may or may not have happened. I'm casting just... Micah Tannenbaum as uh, Mad Eye Moody in the upcoming Harry Potter TV series. <laughs> There's another I one see we that. could have, could have uh, <laughs> cast that we did. Jennifer Lawrence for Mad Eye Moody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think who would be good in that. Maybe Idris Elba. We didn't oh, mention oh. him at all. Next week's Quizzage question. Which famous British actor put in two weeks notice and quit a role they had been cast in for Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Ooh. What a monster. Ugh, who would do that? Who would turn that down? Hmm. We'll find out. That's an interesting question. If you have any feedback about today's discussion, email it in mugglecast at gmail.com or use the contact form on mugglecast.com or call us 19203-MUGGLE. That's 19203684453. We'd also appreciate if you took a minute to rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love to get some fresh reviews in there. It's very helpful for new listeners, so thank you in advance. Also, follow us on social media. We're MuggleCast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And finally, join our community of listeners today at patreon.com slash MuggleCast. If you like what we do, we would love your support there because it keeps the show rocking and rolling. And to thank you, you will receive some magical benefits in return, including a personalized video thank you message from one of the four of us, our monthly bonus MuggleCast installments, the ability to listen live as we record, and a whole lot more. Patreon.com slash MuggleCast. Eric, what are we talking about on next week's episode? Next week's episode, we are talking about something that's actually really exciting. Harry being an orphan and other famous orphans in stories. 
what makes them special, why pop culture is so fixated on orphans. Think about Batman, Superman, all of them, the whole thing. There's just tons, tons, so many more than you thought. It'll be a good way of looking at other literature as well as uh, what Harry and Voldemort gain from their parentless status. All right, cool. So we will see everybody next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. Uh, Micah. And I'm Laura. Choo-choo. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) 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 Oh, okay. (laughs) 